the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, I'm Gary Randall. Thanks for joining me today. Today is Friday, April the 10th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today is Good Friday. I'll be talking a little bit more about that in a moment. Today in 1790, the U.S. patent system was developed. Today on April 10, 1865, Confederate General Robert E. Lee, a day after surrendering his army of Northern Virginia at Appomattox Courthouse, said farewell to his men. He praised them for their unsurpassed courage and fortitude. Today, in 1866, the Society of the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals was incorporated. Today, in 1912, the British liner RMS Titanic set sail from Southampton, England. It was the unsinkable ship. This would be its first and last voyage, as we all know. It launched today in 1912. Today in 1916, the Professional Golfers Association of America was founded. Today in 1930, the first synthetic rubber was produced. Today in 1932, German President Paul von Hindenburg was re-elected in a runoff. The runoff was with a guy named Adolf Hitler. Hitler came in second in that election. He would return, as we all know. Today, in 1998, the Northern Ireland peace talks concluded. Negotiators reached a landmark settlement and 30 years of bitter rivalries and bloody attacks. Those are a few of the things that have happened in history. But today is Good Friday. I want to talk to you a little bit about the most important thing that ever happened, or part of that event, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, which resulted in his death, but set the stage for his resurrection. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they'd prepared. They went out to the tomb. They they found the tomb rolled away. The, the, the tomb wasn't covered. The, the stone that had been put over the front of the, the tomb was gone. But when they entered, so was the body. They did not find the body of Jesus Christ, Matthew. Luke 24, verses, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, describe that. Since Jesus was crucified on a Friday, Shabbat, or the Sabbath, began at sundown, his followers had not been able to carry out the anointing of his body with the fragrant spices and the ointments and all of that that they always did. It had to be delayed until Sunday morning. After the Jewish religious law forbidding work on the Sabbath had been lifted. Wondering... Who is going to roll the heavy stone across the entrance of the tomb so they could enter? The women, followers of Jesus, headed for the garden tomb where his body had been laid. When they got there, not only had the stone been rolled away, but the body of Jesus was gone. And then they heard these words that we've heard so often. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He's risen. 
Therein lies the fact that separates Christianity from every other faith in the world. It's a fact that had been predicted by Old Testament prophets centuries before. A Savior who would be hung on a tree, crucified on a cross, taking taking the sins of mankind upon himself, and then rising from the dead. Nobody had ever made that claim. I'll tell you, they had not. Nor have they since. And if they have, everybody knew it was a fraud. There was no evidence that they would have risen from the dead. The fact that Jesus died on a cross was witnessed. It was attested to by many. The fact that he rose from the dead, he was seen by at least 500 people after his resurrection. If you took a 15-minute deposition of those 500 people, can you imagine how many hours? It'd take like 120 or more hours just to hear the testimony of eyewitnesses, people who didn't hear about his resurrection. They saw him with their own eyes. We call them eyewitnesses. That's a very powerful event in, in a court hearing. It wasn't just hearsay. Somebody didn't say that they knew somebody who thought they had seen Jesus. These people saw him. He was not dead. He was alive. It's amazing. To his followers, his return to the earth is just as certain. In fact, judging by Bible prophecy, the day of his return could be fast approaching. I I talked about that yesterday on this program. There's something to consider. If Jesus is but one of any number of different paths to God, as so many of them say, even people who claim to be Christian today, some of them stand in pulpits as clergy. And they say with a compassionate, politically correct look on their face, well, there are many paths to God. I'm not going to say that Jesus, I'm not going to tell the Muslims that Jesus is the only way to God. I've heard Oprah say that. Barack Obama said it once. Others have said it. Why is it so important then for the Son of God to suffer a flogging, a brutal beating in front of the people of Jerusalem? The skin on his back was ripped in shreds, exposing the bones on his ribs. Why was it necessary that he hang on a cross and suffer a slow and agonizing death? Some people say that the death took hours when one was crucified. If there are many many ways, many paths to God, why did God make him become the sacrificial lamb to conquer mankind's sin once and for all? Why? Because he himself said, Jesus said, the one who hung on the cross and was put in the grave, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except except through me. That's John 14, 6. I mention that often on this program because so many people out there claim to be Christians and they'll turn right around and claim that Jesus is not the only way. I mean, we've got to be inclusive. Easter is not about inclusion. Not in that sense. The inclusion of Easter is that God so loved the world that everyone is invited to come to God, but the only path to God is through Jesus. In all the other religions in the world, there's no God who took on the flesh of a human being who died, rose from the dead, ascended into the heavens, promises 
to one day come back and gather his followers and take them to a place of indescribable joy. We call it heaven. To spend eternity with him. Nobody makes those claims except Jesus and his followers. If one element, just one element of prophecy had been missing, if he had died in another manner than being crucified, or if any number of Old Testament foretelling about the life and death of Jesus had not been fulfilled, the story couldn't reasonably be accepted. It could be doubted. But as in all things, God fulfilled the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of his only begotten son, right down to the last degree, to the nth degree. Even the fact that he would be pierced, wounded for our transgressions, Isaiah 53. And he was, by a Roman soldier's sword, exactly as they had prophesied. All across the world, it's Easter, or as many of us like to call it, I do, Resurrection Day. His resurrection will be celebrated by the faithful. What a wonderful time of the year this is, a time of new beginnings. Earth has finished her long winter sleep. New life has sprung forth. It's a beautiful time. The resurrection of dormant plants. We've been watching ours in our yard. We're staying at home now. We're part of the 90% that isn't going out. We're sticking pretty close to home for the most part. The flowers grow. I've seen things this spring that I haven't noticed before, really. That's a good thing. That our world has slowed down. Nature continues as it does. The resurrection of dormant plants and seeds and the beauty of God's creation. Putting on their new clothes for spring and summer. Each new blossom, each bird's song of visible, of audible praise to God. The Bible tells us that God's creation, you know, try to fathom the depth of God's love to send his only begotten son to earth. It's impossible, especially in light of the fact that his foreknowledge, he knew, he knew that so much of the world would not even acknowledge Christ's sacrifice, would deny his deity, turn their backs on God who created them, even turn on the people who follow Jesus Christ, Mike Pence. How many times has Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, been mocked in the last few months for his Christianity? He's a sold-out evangelical Christian, born again. He loves the Lord. I remember when he was chosen as Trump's running mate for Vice President. I was thrilled. I don't know him, but I knew a lot about him. I knew he was for real as a Christian. He'd been a good, pretty good governor in Indiana, but as soon as people figured out what he really believed, they began to attack him. The View on ABC and others attacked him. Why? Because, well, because he said he believed in the Bible, that it was the inerrant truth, the inerrant word of God. They also attacked him because he said he talks to God. That was more recent. They were talking about him on several days on ABC. They were mocking him because they said this vice president, he would be worse than Trump, they said. He talks to God, and one of the women on The View said, he claims that God talks to him. And one of them said, I would call that mental illness. God knew that this would be the tone in the world by many. They would mock Jesus Christ. 
They would mock what he said, what he stands for, who he is. But God said, knowing all that I know, and I know it all, I'm sending my son to die on a cross. Because you sinned, Gary Randall. And, excuse me. And you need a savior. That's what it's about. I did need a savior. Oh, I was raised in church. My grandparents, my great-grandparents. They were not only Christians, they were active Christians. Helping start churches and all those kinds of things. I grew up in church, man. I was at church, it seemed like it was eight days a week. My dad was involved. My mom was involved. But I needed a savior. Personal savior. Jesus died for me. And he died for you. And the world can mock. They can spit. They can stamp their feet. They can protest. They can say Christianity is not inclusive enough because the Bible teaches that homosexuality is sin. Abortion is wrong. We reject that. In doing so, they reject God, the author and the finisher of our faith. And they reject his son, Jesus Christ. Because if you don't believe what they said, it's pretty tough to believe in who they are. And all of this comes down, all of it comes down and becomes clear. And never more than this year, when a virus coming out of China has spread around the world and has shut down the most powerful, the most prosperous, the most free nation in the world. 90% of us said in a poll that was published yesterday morning, 90% of us said, yeah, we're staying home. We're not doing all the stuff that we'd like to be doing or that we were doing. And for the first time in my lifetime, and I'm sure you would find that true as well, for the first time in my lifetime, I'm not going to get in the car and go to church. For many of those years, I was a pastor. I went to church and preached an Easter Sunday morning service. But I'm not even going to attend because the churches, by and large, are shut down. There's nobody there. It's amazing. But it has, I believe, brought things into better focus. America is looking at things more clearly now because so much of the noise and so much of the distraction has been taken away. The love that motivated Jesus to hang on that cross for hours, suffocating, in fact, it is said, I mean, crucifixion was not unique to him. It was very common practice. It is said that the only way that Jesus could even get a breath of fresh air was to push against the nails at his feet and pull against the nails at his hands to lift himself up just a bit to catch a breath. I can't even, I can't even imagine the pain that he suffered for me. All of this, all of this, if he had asked his father, all of it would have gone away. 
God the Father would have sent a legion of angels to rescue him and annihilate the entire Roman army and probably Caiaphas and his group. The Bible says that. But he didn't do it. He stayed the course. He, he, he hung there. And yes, he was God, but he was man. God became flesh and dwelt among us. He suffered as we would suffer as a human being because he took on flesh like us so that we could truly know God and come to God through that path of Jesus Christ. He hung there, slowly dying, agonizing, death, forsaken, alone, suffering physical agony, mental anguish, until the last breath, he finally, the last breath, he said, it is finished. Because he loved you. And he loved me. This is a good time to think about that because no one else could have paid the price for your sin or mine. But he did. We don't have to be looking for a way out of the life that we have and lost in sin and shame and all that. That life has already been provided. No, it isn't through Muhammad or Buddha or whomever or the latest guy out of India. No, it's through Jesus Christ. He is the only way to God, but he is the way. And that is what the resurrection is all about. If Jesus would have died, it would have been a very sad day. In fact, there's evidence there, and I've preached sermons on that as well, but there's evidence in all of this that most of the people that were closest to Jesus, they, they, they loved him, they followed him, they met with him, they were with him, but they, they weren't 100% that he was going to raise from the dead. I mean, they act surprised. Even the women that went there on the Easter morning, that first Sunday morning, their first response was, I knew it, I knew he was going to raise from the dead. No, it wasn't that. It was kind of like, really? Well, it, where is, is, is he really, is he, did he really raise from the dead? And it took a moment, and they loved him. That's why they were there. And I think it's time for many of us to come to a more clear and more maybe simplistic realization that God is very near to all of us through his son, Jesus Christ. We don't need to be paralyzed by the fear of a pandemic. Yes, it's awful. I mean, it's historic. But God is in control of all things. But Gary, what, what, if, I, what if I die? Well... Let me just be very frank with you. If you die and you're a Christian, you're in the presence of the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. That's not entirely a bad thing. But no, we don't want to die. We want to live. And God will be with us. God will get us through this. And it's only because he lives. He's not dead. He's not buried somewhere in a historic place where people line up to see his grave. He isn't George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or Abraham Lincoln or Mohammed or whomever. He's the only begotten son of God who actually became flesh and actually hung outside the city while people scoffed and mocked and even gambled for his robe. They thought it was kind of nice and they wanted it. That's who he is, but he didn't stay in the tomb. 
I know we know that intellectually, but maybe this year when we're, we we just aren't doing the stuff that we normally do on Easter, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I mean, I know there's some people that, I mean, it's the worst sin you could ever commit if you had a Easter egg or a chocolate bunny or so. I mean, that's not what Easter's about, but I mean, it's been secularized and it is what it is up there in our culture, but it shouldn't change our beliefs. And I don't think we should spend all of our energy trying to <laughs> trying to discredit somebody's bunny. We need to focus on the living Jesus Christ who is not in the tomb. He is risen from the dead. And that's what it's about today. And I want to talk to you just for a moment about the fact that Christ is risen because he's risen. The sins that we have committed, the wrong that we've done in our lives is forgiven. Beloved, beloved, the Bible says, I, w- I, I, I just wish, I pray that you would not sin. But if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ in his resurrection became an advocate for you. Have you ever been in a situation, I have been, in a situation where you felt like you needed an advocate, just professionally or in in a situation. I've been in situations where people that I thought would, you know, if there were people who were disagreeing with me or something, I, I thought there were people that maybe would stand and kind of say, well, I, I agree with Gary, you know, nobody said anything. I thought, man, I need an advocate. Not too many of those times, but some. There is never a moment in our lives when we don't have an advocate with the God, capital G, who created the universe. This is big stuff. God is real, God is good, and God is big. He's really big. The universe in its precision, how all of the parts of the universe are so predictable that spaceships are programmed to fly to the predictability of the solar system and wherever they may go. Because God created it that way. Big bang, it didn't like blow up and say, oh, look, we all, it kind of fell into place and it's all organized now. No, it, that's not the way it worked. God created the heavens and the earth, and boy, they're both amazing. That God, that God, you have an advocate to that God, not because of what you've done or who you are or what you have or don't have. You have an advocate to that God in your time of need and in your time of joy and celebration, whatever it may be. You can go directly to that throne of that God through Jesus Christ, his son. Because Jesus Christ, his son, in dying on the cross, being mocked and ridiculed. and I mean, the worst things were said about his mother, Mary, and about him. and I mean, it was awful. But because of his death and his resurrection, you have an advocate to God Almighty, who is holy, holy, holy. And he's in control of everything. Man, I mean, no wonder people for generations and generations and thousands of years, a couple thousand years since Christ's death and resurrection, no wonder people get rejoiceful at Easter. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. We sing those songs because they're from our heart. He is risen. 
I serve a risen Savior. I know He's in the world today because He's in me. I have met Him personally. That's that's what Easter is really all about. He is risen. It's not. It's not. It's different than any other day, any other time. Well, Gary, is Sunday really the day this year that he wrote? I don't care what day on the calendar. Calendars came later. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And I think this coronavirus, I think it's pushing people toward toward God. Publishing companies have been saying this last week. I was reading some articles. Publishing companies, some of the big ones, Tyndale House, Zondervan, those people, they're all saying that Bible sales are way up since this coronavirus started. They're, they're, saying, they're saying that Bible sales are up 60% at Tyndale, 44% at other, uh, at other publishing companies. It's not surprising, this one guy head of Tyndale said, he said it's not surprising that people in times of uncertainty turn to God. They turn to the Bible, and they do. Tyndale said their Bible sales are 57% higher now than they were in October of 2000. People are beginning to look for truth. They're looking for something that's real. We're being pressed to that. God is real. God is here and God loves you. And yes, he is risen from the dead. The grave could not hold him. Death could not hold him. Around the world, Easter. Easter is a time. It's resurrection weekend. Beginning with Good Friday, when God, who was made flesh, the Savior of the world, was crucified. Through Holy Saturday, when Jesus descended into hell to announce that the mission had been accomplished to the believing souls awaiting him unto the Resurrection Sunday, the day in which Christians celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from the dead. It is finished, but it has just begun. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Celebrate this weekend. Celebrate a living Jesus Christ. Our God is an awesome God. Alfred Ackerley put it this way, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know he's I know he's living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer in just the time I need him. He's always always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. I sang that song or heard that song from the time I could I knew who I was. And so have many of you. That is the essence of Easter. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me. Along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Hey, thanks for being with me today on Friday. We'll continue as usual on Monday, the Lord willing, and we plan to. Have a wonderful weekend. Celebrate the resurrection. Take a look at God. 
without all the trappings of a secular holiday, unlike any in our lifetime. But remember, he is risen. He is risen indeed.